Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This week's question comes from post-apocalypse survivor, and they say, the last couple of years have been rough. I lost my stable 9-to-5 job during the height of COVID, sold everything but my clothes, and moved to a new city where I only knew one person. Spirit has blessed me here and there with the exact change I need to keep paying my bills and enable me to socially distance. I've spent that alone time learning about my identity as a queer, non-binary, transmasculine person, my spirituality, and finally learning to love myself and my blackness, warts and all. I joined the revolution of voices crying for abolition of the racist, homophobic, 9-to-5 capitalistic structures of the world. Let's be wood nymphs and live off the land. But now things are opening up again. I'm slowly making friends and meeting potential partners who want to do things like bowling or going to the movies or general activities that unfortunately require spending money. I could Google free activities to do with friends until my fingers fall off, but I know that I'm going to eventually need more than the exact change the universe has given me this last year and that I will have to return to some sort of office work soon. Plus, my cat Moon sort of enjoys the structure. But how can I go back to that world having learned all that I have about myself and the world beyond the material? Would it undo the person I've become over these last couple of years that I'm slowly falling in love with? Thank you for your guidance. I one day hope to be as prolific a spiritualist as you are. Best post-apocalypse survivor. Uh, Thank you very much for the compliment. And let's get into it. This is such an important and powerful question. And there's a lot, a lot of pieces to it. So first, I should share that uh, post-apocalypse was born on September 19th, 1988 at 11.17 p.m. in big city of Miami Shores, Florida. As soon as I read in your question that you sold everything but your clothes and moved to a new city, I thought, well, what in the Pluto is going on here? Because often when we go through Pluto transits, we are challenged to, inspired to, or sometimes forced to let go of material possessions, uh, things, situations, places that no longer serve us. And in fact, you have been going through a Pluto square to Mercury, and it has challenged you to release the attitudes and beliefs that have kept you limited. And it has offered you the potential for deepening your thinking and deepening your capacity and your willingness to explore new ideas. And in your birth chart, you've got Mercury intercept in the fifth house, making it specifically a powerfully transformative time for exploring your gender experience and expression. So check, check, look at you in touch with the universe. That transit will be over in the first week of January of 2022, which is in about six months from now. So that means you've been going through it for about a year and a half. Pluto transits, generally speaking, last two years total. So when we're looking at this particular transit, it has been actually a gift. I mean, saying that the plague has come with gifts uh, is kind of fucked up in some ways. But the truth of the matter is being forced into isolation and using that isolation to explore who you are and how you locate yourself and what's important to you. That's like 
it has been a gift and it's been a really powerful one for you. So that's really cool. And I don't know that you actually need any more information about that. So now let's get into the centerpiece of your question, which is around money manifestation and the tension between the spiritual and the material. Now you're a Virgo, right? Uh, Your sun is in a late degree of Virgo, 27 degrees of Virgo, and you've got a Capricorn moon, uh, Gemini rising, but double earth, though it doesn't mean nothing. And just as a quick aside, when astrologers or astrology fans say, I am a triple this or a double that, what we're referring to always, or what you're supposed to be referring to always, is your sun, moon, and rising placements. So having three planets in a particular sign doesn't make you a triple of that sign unless those three include your sun, your moon, and your rising. Okay, that was a quick aside. So you are a double earth person and That absolutely does suggest that you do well with structure, that you do well with having a jobity job, you know, a job where you can like clock in, perform tasks, and then clock out. That is actually very satisfying for people who have a lot of earth in their chart. However, in your chart, there's a bunch of other things going on. You have a moon-Neptune conjunction, which is an aspect that absolutely takes that moon in Capricorn, which has a tendency to be highly pragmatic and perfectionistic and very materially oriented and make it pretty fucking anti-capitalist and make it very wood nymph loving, you know, because moon in Capricorn is not most typically super woo and super drawn to or comfortable with living outside of convention. But you throw Neptune in there, you throw Neptune in there and you don't like boundaries. They don't resonate for you. Being able to find yourself and exist outside of binaries, outside of capitalism, outside of convention, it is your truth. It is your comfortable and happy place. However, in your birth chart, Chiron sits opposite your moon Neptune conjunction and forms a T-square to Mars. And Mars is, again, intercept in your 11th house in the sign of Aries. And for those who don't know, an intercept sign in a birth chart or in any chart is when we have a full 30 degrees of a zodiac sign in a house, but that zodiac sign is not on the uh, entry house cusp or the exiting house cusp. It's not on either of those house cusps. So it's intercepted. It's, it's like hidden inside the house. And when we have a zodiac sign or we have planets that are hidden or intercepted in a house, what generally we experienced in our early development or in our childhood is clear messaging, whether it's verbalized or just modeled for us, that we are not meant to embody the planets and the the energies of that sign and or house. So in your case, post-apocalypse, it's not just the signs, it's actually the planets. And in this case, we're talking about Mercury, which is, it's your attitudes, your thinking, how you listen, how you speak, what you write. And it is related to your experience and expression of gender because of the fifth house placement. And also, it's Mars. Mars in Aries in the 11th house, which is related to your maleness. So not manness. It's not about a binary gender, but it is about masculinity. And it is about ambition and self-direction and self-possession and ego. 
right? So we're clear messages that you are not meant to embody these things, that these things would come at the cost of your wellness. And so unlearning that and choosing your nature, choosing to embody and care for your nature is just, I mean, I cannot say enough good things about it. It's difficult work, but it is good work. It is good work to do. And it will take different shapes over the course of your life when you embody an intercept planet or intercept energies. But it's always somehow in dialogue with your family of origin, your childhood experiences, and or your ancestry. So issues that run through the family line. Okay, so pulling back again. Because you have Mars as the focal planet to a T-square, it can be very difficult for you to identify what it is that you want to do and whether or not you have the right to do it, and then to find the energy to follow through. When we have Neptune in hard aspect to Mars in the birth chart, so whether that's through an opposition, a square, or even a conjunction, we often struggle with having limitless energy for hobbies and self-care and other things that are not kind of for the consumption of others and exist outside of uh, obligation or productivity. But we have a much harder time drumming up the energy for bullshit, honestly, or for jobs, honestly. So there can be a way that when you're doing something that is not authentic to you, you feel exhausted. It doesn't really work well. You may miss things or feel just like, what am I doing with my life? A real sense of futility. The answer to this issue is written in many places in your birth chart. And also, it's written in your own fucking question, which is kind of cool. It's through your spirituality. It's through finding ways of working that support or reflect what it is that you truly are. And so that may mean finding a job or a career path that is a reflection of the complexity of who you are and how you want to be in the world. But it could also just as validly, just as wonderfully mean finding a way to make money that you can clock in and clock out of that supports you in having the life you want to have. It doesn't have to be that your job is a spiritual job and reflects your healing work, but it does need to look like something that supports you in doing that healing work when you're not at the job, if it's not happening at the job, which is especially difficult because you have Pluto in the sixth house, squares Venus in the third. Let me tell you what it means. In the context of this topic, what it means is that you have a hard time at work not giving 150% or not being resentful and annoyed when other people don't give 150%. So you may go to a job and put yourself in a situation where you're working harder than you need to. You're giving more than you need to. And that comes out of functioning off of autopilot. You actually don't thrive on autopilot. You do best when you're acting from a place of intention and presence. And you've really seen evidence of that, I imagine, in the last year, year and a half. So being intentional about the value of a given job for you and being intentional about how you show up every day is going to be really valuable for you. And that might look like saying, the value of this job is that it makes me money 
And the value of this job is it doesn't have to take that much from me. And it is my responsibility to myself to not demand more of this job than it actually is meant to be for me. And to manage my own mental, emotional, and spiritual wellness in the little minutia bits of how I engage in this labor. You know what I'm saying? So that might look like going to work in a cafe and getting super fucking annoyed by the person who's working with you, who has a similar job to you, because they're floopy and not really fucking focused and not really doing their their role. And this may be an opportunity for you to recognize that as long as you're doing whatever you determine to be the most you're meant to do, then they can fuck up if they need to. They can be floopy if they need to. And it's not about you. And it's not your job to fix it. But instead, just do your best. Just do your part. And let others be what they are or not be what they are. It's really about allowing for greater flow which is much easier for you to achieve when you're alone with yourself than when you're at work. Another iteration of this answer comes from your North Node in Pisces in the 10th house. This placement indicates that one of your major spiritual lessons throughout the course of your days is pointing your life in a direction that feels authentic to you. So in other words, being intentional about how you organize your life. And because it's in the sign of Pisces, that intentionality and that organization needs to reflect your spirituality. And so when I look at this question about, can I go back to the world, the material world, having learned all that I have about myself, the answer is, yes, of course you can, but not without work, not without intention. And that might look like you being really intentional and really spiritual within a super non-magical environment. If we need to be in magical environments in order to be magical, then we have more work to do on our magic. If we need to talk about our spirituality and our magic to people who are not spiritual or magical, then it can lean into proselytizing. It can lean into trying to make people see things the way we see things in order to feel comfortable ourselves and how we see things. And that gets in the way. Allow yourself the space and room to be who you are, to orient yourself around your choices in a way that works for you without needing other people to be a part of it necessarily. And this is tricky because a lot of your birth chart is very relational. You have a seventh house stellium. You've got a strong Venus square to Pluto and Mercury in Libra. But happily, you have a Jupiter conjunction to the ascendant as well. And this placement allows you to be playful, adventurous, and weird. (laughs) And that weirdness and that playfulness and that adventurousness can allow you to be interested in other people and to meet them where they're at. If you make the determination that that's what you're going to do and that that serves your spiritual wellness, which I honestly believe it does. Now, all of these things said, I want to now come to money. So when I look at the issue of money in your birth chart, I'm going to look at a couple different things. Generally speaking, I'm going to look at the second house, and I'm going to look at Venus. Now, one could also look at the eighth house, but that's more like inheritances and family money. And I'm not hearing that in your question as like part of your thing. So we're going to just focus on your personal finances and resources. 
So you have an empty second house. Don't worry. That doesn't mean it's empty. Let me explain. You have the zodiac sign Cancer on the second house cusp. That means I look for the ruling planet of that zodiac sign. In this case, it's the moon, right? So I look to the moon to understand your relationship to money and personal possessions. And as I've already said, you've got moon in Capricorn conjunct Neptune, which means you value stuff, you value having money, you value earning, and also you are intrinsically anti-capitalist. Straight out the gate, we can see that making money is not going to be your primary motivation, right? Another thing we can see, though, is if you can picture it, you can manifest it. So let me be really clear about manifestation, because I think manifestation is a very complicated topic in many ways, and it's also not in many ways. On a spiritual level, when we talk about manifestation, we are only talking about energy. And in your question, you've said that spirit has blessed you with the exact amount of money you need to be able to live your life, right? So what I'm hearing in that is that you have manifested the exact amount of money you need to live. But here's the thing on a spiritual level, not a material level, on a spiritual level, manifesting shitty things, manifesting the baseline of what you need and manifesting abundance are all the same thing. Manifesting is manifesting is manifesting, just like energy is energy is energy. The difference between these things is belief. You believe that it's possible to manifest the baseline of what you need and nothing more. Or you believe that you deserve the baseline of what you need and nothing more. And therefore, it's easy for you to pull it in. And when I say easy, I mean it seems organic. Things just happen. The reason why it is difficult to manifest abundance is because of a lack of belief and conviction that you deserve it or it's possible. I always think when I think about manifestation, I always think about this thing that once happened to me many years ago, which is I had a knee injury. So I was working with a trainer and the trainer would at the end of every session, lean in to my uninjured knee and gently speak these words, teach your friend. (laughs) And what she was doing was basically reminding my body and me that while one of my knees wasn't functioning in a healthy and optimal way, my other knee knew how to and could teach the, the injured knee how to function more easily and with less pain. That was really cool. And so what I want to say is, if you have the capacity, as you say you have, to manifest your baseline needs, then you just need to teach yourself, in this case, what it is that you believe, what emotions that you hold to manifest more, to manifest abundance. So on a spiritual level, if you don't want to let go of that spiritual uh, sparkle that you've cultivated in the last year plus, that's how you do it. The thing about manifestation, very broadly speaking, is it's when our thoughts and our feelings are in total alignment. They're on the same words of the same page. And when we have spiritual presence and clarity with the thought and feeling, things tend to flow. Now, does that get rid of systemic racism, transphobia, homophobia? Does that abolish capitalism and all of the bullshit associated with it? Does that create jobs in your area and in the field that you work in? No, doesn't do any of that shit at all. This is one of those and also things because, you know, the problem with manifestation stuff 
I think, uh, in the way a lot of spiritual people talk about it, is that people like to focus on manifestation and spiritual work as though systemic problems from racism to capitalism to ableism to homophobia do not exist. Yeah, all those things still fucking exist. You cannot manifest yourself into outer space. We are all here in bodies. We are all here in the time and infrastructure that we're in. And so we can do spiritual work that exists outside of that, but we also live inside of that. It's an and also, not an either or. And if you can accept that paradox, if you can accept that messy bucket of data, then you can work with the spiritual while also working within the material. The material is a lot more literal and is a lot more limited in a lot of ways, right? But that's okay. Work with the spiritual, stay with the spiritual, and manifest more. Manifest abundance, manifest flow. Get clear that having extra and having flow doesn't need to come at the expense of anyone or anything. It can only be a way to further buoy your spirit and expand your life. And whether that flow comes to you through gigs here and there, opportunities, a job, a fairy godmother coming down and giving you money, it doesn't matter what it looks like. You don't need to control what it looks like. That happens on a material level. On a spiritual level, it's just getting present with your yes, your resonant whole yes around flow and abundance when it comes to money. Most of us manifest, you know, most of us manifest. We manifest shitty things. We manifest stagnation. We manifest abundance. We manifest joy. We manifest one part of our lives, but not another. From my perspective, it's an organic part of being a person. However, we don't all manifest effectively what we want. It's one of those things that's very simple, but can be very difficult. So be patient with yourself as you reemerge into the material world. And I will say one more thing about this, which is when you do the spiritual work of cultivating more flow and abundance in your financial life and therefore in your social life, you want to remember a story that I have told many times on the podcast. I first learned it about God, maybe about Jesus, but definitely about God. And I think I've once told the story um, in the form of a cat. So now I'm going to use the form of a unicorn. Okay. And I'm going to just really quickly tell the story. It is that once upon a time, there was a person and they were praying to a unicorn and the unicorn said, hey, you know what? When floods come, when danger comes, I got your back. You don't have to worry about it. And so the person was like, cool. And then a flood came. And then the person was like, oh, shit, everyone's getting worried. Everybody's evacuating their home, but I'm not going to do it because the unicorn is going to take care of me. And then a person knocked on the door and was like, hey, we're evacuating people. Let me help you out of the house. And the person was like, no, don't worry about it. I've got a unicorn and the unicorn's got my back and stayed in the house. And then later, as the waters rose, somebody came with a boat and was like, hey, jump in this boat. The waters are rising. You got to get out. And the person's like, no, no, I got a unicorn. Unicorn's coming for me. Don't worry about it. And then the rescuer just tooted away. I don't know if boats toot, but let's say tooted away. And then finally, the waters rose and rose and the person was sitting on the roof of their house and a helicopter came and was like, hey, fool, we can get you come into the helicopter right now. And the person was like, no, 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 sorry, I'm waiting for my unicorn. And of course, they died. And when they went to the unicorn's lair after they died, 
they were like, hey, unicorn, you lied to me. You said you were coming. And the unicorn said, uh, yeah, I sent you a person in a car. Then I sent you a person in a boat. And then I sent you a fucking helicopter and you passed. So that's on you, buddy. And the moral of the story is when we are doing spiritual work, it cannot exist outside of the material world. It is incumbent upon us to choose behaviors, to seize opportunities that are a reflection of our manifestation, right? That are a reflection of the abundance that we want in this life. See what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying. My dear, I hope that helps. And I'm excited for you to embrace the abundance that you're building in your life. The Trans Asylum Seeker Support Network is a revolutionary border abolitionist mutual aid and direct action collective that works in solidarity with transgender asylum seekers fleeing transphobic, state, gang, cartel, colonial, and imperial violence, as well as climate change. They organize alongside their compañeres and support them in building a solid material, communal, and liberatory infrastructure to their lives. They are building non-hierarchical, decentralized, community-based, and international support networks that organize independently from and provide an alternative to the state. Please consider becoming a monthly donor so that they may continue paying rent, legal fees, remittances, medical fees, gender affirmation, surgery fees, travel fees, and more. You can give through this link at givebutter.com T-A-S-S-N. Link in show notes. Darlings, 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 let's get astrological. But before we do, I want to do something super uncharacteristic of me. You know, maybe this is the time for me to get a little vulnerable and give you a little peek behind the curtain. So in 2020, I, on the podcast, talked a lot about the Pluto return and alluded to my intention to talk about it a lot this year in 2021. I really had that intention. But what I didn't predict is the kind of impact that predicting so much collective trauma and astrologically looking into so much collective trauma while I was part of the collective experiencing it would have on me. I didn't predict that. I didn't think it through at all. Uh, But once 2021 hit, The physical and spiritual effects that it's had on me have really taken shape. And so while I really had the intention, and I think I created the expectation for anyone who's been listening religiously to the show for, you know, more than a year, I created the expectation that I would talk about the Pluto return of the United States and that I would talk about what's happening socially and politically um, at a certain level or at a certain clip or frequency. I haven't actually maintained that, and I wanted to acknowledge it here on Ghost of a Podcast, a place where I like to encourage authenticity and healthy boundaries and flexibility in the face of change. You know, I haven't been less politically and socially active and impacted by what's happening domestically and around the world in 2021, but my capacity to look at the astrology of it, which inevitably it requires looking predictively at it, has really waned. And that's just what it is. There's a season for everything. And the difficulty from a practitioner's standpoint of looking energetically or astrologically at current events is that it's inevitable to see indications for the future. 
And of course, when it comes to the Pluto return of the United States, when it comes to many other transits, current and forthcoming uh, that impact global events as well as domestic events, I got a lot of theories, I got a lot of ideas, and I got a lot of insights. And also, I don't have a lot of capacity to hold a container for it in public. And I don't have a lot of capacity to hold a strong enough container for it to be able to organize my perceptions and my thoughts in a way that is constructive and as objective as possible, right? And so I've pulled back on doing that on Ghost of a Podcast for a little while now. And I just wanted to acknowledge it, you know, just acknowledge it. And I'm not making you any promises if I'm going to get a little more political or if I'm going to, you know, pull continue to be a little bit more pulled back on that stuff. But I do want to share that there are many things that I strive to do and that I, some things that I do routinely, some things that I do in response to a specific crisis or situation that is private. And in terms of how I manage the stress and the weight of the world, that's also something I personally tend to do in private as opposed to public. So, you know, for me to share this stuff on the podcast, it's not how I usually engage with the show, but I, I thought it might be appropriate for me to share this partially because, hey, hi, I'm a human person who's been living through the plague with all of everybody else. And it's easy to forget, I think, when we're listening to people um, on podcasts or watching people on TV or seeing people on social media or whatever the fuck it is. It's easy to forget that they're people going through their own things, you know. So, you know, I'm popping in to say, hey, I'm a weirdo in a meat suit uh, over here just doing doing my best. And then also I want to acknowledge that I did create an expectation that I'm not able to uh, satiate at this time. And here's a little context for why. That's it. That's all. Okay, so we are going to talk about a lot of astrology stuff. And as I actually say that, I realize, of course, I did all this personal self-disclosure because it's cancer season. As of the 20th of June, we hit cancer season and we're going to have a full moon in Capricorn uh, this week. So it's kind of, you know, what is it? Uh, me being meta? Art imitating arch? Hashtag astrology works. Okay, so we're talking about June 20th through the 26th of 2021. On the 20th, it is cancer season. Get ready to be emo. Tell someone you love them. Tap into your vulnerability. Make eyes at the moon and see if she winks back. You know, it's cancer season. That's not all that's happening. Venus is also in cancer. And on the 21st, we have a beautiful Venus trine to Neptune. So Neptune's in Pisces, Venus is in Cancer, and this transit is romantic. It is tender and idealistic. So what you may notice on and around this date is that your capacity for empathy and care and even forgiveness is intensified. You may find yourself completely taken aback by something beautiful and just really stopped in your tracks by it. If you're an artist or a creator of any kind, you may find yourself feeling really inspired. This transit is great for all things related to creativity, beauty, and love. The only downsides exist when you use this energy to disassociate, which it can incline us to do, to stick your head in the sand or to get caught up in some beautiful illusion. So that beautiful illusion could be spending way too much time scrolling through bullshit that you don't actually care about, or it may be 
fantasizing about a crush or somebody from your past, whatever it is, what I want to encourage you to do to make the most of this energy is to be aware of where you get pleasure and joy and to make sure it doesn't have negative consequences, that it basically is something that makes your whole life better, or at least is neutral to the big picture of your life, instead of costs you, right? So an example of that would be don't spend money you can't afford to spend, not like getting lit or imbibing substances in a way that actually has a negative impact on your long-term life or tomorrow even. Uh, You know, it's about finding ways of engaging with pleasure and joy that aren't about harming yourself or disassociating from harm, if you can, if that feels right. You know what I'm saying? Now, the final thing I'll say about this is this transit is very good for romance and spirituality because it is all about devotional love. What you want to watch out for is that you don't become attached to the feelings you're having or the vision you've cultivated. Instead, try to flow and be present. This is a lot of water energy. So as much as possible, be in that water energy. How do you be in water energy? You flow, you float. Don't get too fixated on making it permanent or trying to figure out what it all means. Be in the present, be in the now. On the 22nd, Mercury is station direct Hello, and thank you so very fucking much. This Mercury retrograde has been soupy. It is a lovely thing that it's over. You may start to feel that things kind of coagulate in your mind. It is a safer time to now start looking at contracts and making firm decisions. Mercury will remain shady until the 7th of July. So we know that the retro shade occurs when Mercury is now direct. It's moving forward through the zodiacal degrees, but now it is moving through degrees it's already been in, right, to get back to where it was when it first went retrograde. And in those shady times, we're still revisiting much of what occurred during that retrograde. So you may revisit an idea or an opportunity and be like, hmm, maybe this isn't all it was cracked up to be. Maybe it's not right for me. Or you may see holes in the plan or whatever. So, you know, the rule of reese still applies. Review, reflect, reassess. You'll just be able to do it at a quicker clip and you're less likely to have technical difficulties and miscommunications along the way. So giddy up, my loves. Giddy the fuck up. Now that brings us to the 23rd of June. The 23rd of June is when your horoscope gets a little real, okay? So you will have been feeling these transits leading up for a couple few days The first one is Sun trying to Jupiter. Now, this transit, it's three days total. It's exact on the 23rd. But the second transit, this is the troublemaker, okay? We've got a Venus opposition to Pluto. Venus opposition to Pluto, we're going to feel this several days leading up and several days after. And so it's really going to affect us all week long. Let's start with the sun trying to Jupiter. Now, this transit on its own is absolutely lovely. It allows us to feel a greater sense of buoyancy and potential. It facilitates bravery and excitement and enthusiasm. Hello, thank you very much. Jupiter is kind of reputed to be the lucky planet, and it can be, but it's really the expander, you know, it's all about expansion. And so when you're expanding something that is delightful, then you have more delight. And when you're expanding something that is unhealthy or destructive, then you have more of that. 
Jupiter on its own is not a negative thing. It's never on its own a negative thing. But in context, it can have us doing something too much that was maybe fine when we kept it in moderation or doing something, taking something too far that creates some sort of harm or negative consequences. You know, sometimes the email can just be two sentences. It doesn't have to be three paragraphs. Sun trying to Jupiter, lovely transit until you put it in context of Venus opposite Pluto. Venus is all about security and connection and intimacy and diplomacy. Venus is the planet that we look to to understand our relationship to relationships and beauty and the ways in which we get along. It's one of the planets we look to to understand how you feel when you look at yourself in the mirror. And it's also the planet that governs your money, your personal finances. So it's not like your debts. That's actually Pluto. It's what you have in liquid form, right? It's like the cash you have in hand or like the money in your account that you can actually spend. It's the things you own. Whenever we have a planet form an opposition to Pluto, there's something we need to let go of. So oppositions tend to present themselves in our lives oppositionally. (laughs) Nothing subtle there. In other words, we experience them in the projected form. So one person or more is going to express the energies of Pluto, and then one person or more is going to express the energies of Venus. That's classically how we experience oppositions. So we can be talking on a societal level around groups, or we can be talking about like you and your best friend, right? You and your mom. So Pluto is the planet that governs transformation. It is healing and destroying. Pluto is the planet that governs coming and shitting. Things that we don't always talk about in public. So when we have a Venus opposition to Pluto, things get really fucking intense. We start to feel compulsive feelings about relationships, about ourselves, about whether or not we look good enough, whether or not other people like us, whether or not uh, we are good enough, what our value is inherently. When Venus forms an opposition to Pluto, you can get into some pretty gnarly fights. And I would encourage you emphatically to choose your battles wisely. People can piss you off. People can trigger you. And it doesn't mean that they are your enemy. When we experience anger, defensiveness, resentfulness, all emotions that tend to come up with Pluto transits, whether it's to Pluto or from Pluto or whatever, The feelings we tend to feel are so difficult to bear that we tend to react to them, right? We tend to react to them in a knee-jerk way. And this is where we come back to this thing I like to repeat over and over and over again because it cannot be said enough. Do not abandon yourself. In this context, what that would look like is feeling feelings that are really difficult to bear. They're very uncomfortable. They're anger, they're resentment, they're pettiness, whatever the fuck is coming up for you. And feeling so badly in your feelings that you start to figure out, why do I feel this way? What am I going to do about it? How can I distract myself from these feelings by feeding these feelings, right? So I'm really pissed off at my dad. So instead, I'm going to scroll through Instagram accounts of people I hate, (laughs) right? The thing about this transit is that it holds potential for you to transform your relationship to your ability to be present for difficulties in relationship. So that's whether it's in relationship to other people, other groups of people, or to yourself. 
depending on where it hits your chart and what the hell is happening in your life and in the world. Venus opposite Pluto is a time where you want to really manage your compulsions or cultivate awareness of them at the very least. Venus is in Cancer, which can get a little bit attachy, right? Venus can attach to things when it's running through the sign of Cancer because Cancer's got those sweet little pinchers. And so what you want to make sure is if you're attaching to a person or to an attitude or an idea or a habit, that it is transformational and healing because Pluto does not bring about chill. So it's either going to be healing or destroying, right? It's either going to be really helpful or really hurtful. So strive for helpful. And if you can't hit helpful, strive for neutral. Neutral is great. Strive for neutral if you can't do positive. But to the best of your ability, redirect away from self-destructive or outwardly destructive, destructive to other people behaviors. This transit, if it does bring up conflicts between you and other people, I cannot say this emphatically enough. Be careful what you say. Let me be clear. It is unwise to be withholding because that's passive aggressive and shitty. And also, once you say a thing, it's out there. So not all thoughts and not all feelings are ready for consumption right away. They're just not. Sometimes you need to dear diary it. You need to get your therapist on the line. You need to talk to somebody who knows how to cool you down. You may also be in a situation where you have to stand up for yourself, where enough is enough. You finally see the situation clearly and you find your voice, right? Now, just a quick aside, quote, your voice is Mercury technically, but Venus is associated with diplomacy. And so this transit can kick up ways in which you have placed diplomacy and like being nice and being uh, digestible and easy for other people above being authentic and showing up for real. And so in that way, you may need to figure out what needs to be said or, or how to assert yourself or show up in dynamic with others. So let's add some complexity to this, shall we? Venus is opposite Pluto. That's very intense. It's very intense. But on the 24th, we have a full moon in Capricorn. So Venus is opposite Pluto and the whole time we've got full moon vibes going on. Is that chill? No, sir, it is not. Is the Venus opposition to Pluto a meaningful player in the chart of the full moon? Yes, yes, ma'am, it is. Okay, so on the 24th of June at 11.40 a.m. exactly Pacific time, we have a full moon. The moon is at three degrees of Capricorn and the sun is at three degrees of Cancer. Full moons occur when the sun and moon are exactly opposite each other by zodiac sign and degree. And if you haven't already gotten Astrology for Days, still in beta, please do at astrologyfordays.com. It's not in the app store. It's a web-based app. Just go to astrologyfordays.com and get your subscription there. And you can follow along with the damn transits and take your notes as we go. Okay back to this full moon. So this full moon, there's a lot to say about it. The tension of a full moon in Capricorn is around what I want and what I need. It's how I take care of myself, how I nurture myself, and how I provide for myself, how I manage my life. And so when we look at a full moon in Capricorn, we see the tension that we all are likely to experience around that on a personal level. Now, on more of a societal level, this can function around how nations, governments, institutions, corporations do or do not care for and provide for the people that they're meant to protect or serve. 
This can look a lot of different ways, but it's unlikely to look chill because when we look at this particular chart, we can see a couple of things that are really important. One is, of course, this Venus opposition to Pluto. This transit is no longer in its exactitude, but it's real fucking close. It's real fucking close. And so you really want to do your homework. <laughs> you really want to manage uh, your behavior, both in private and with other people all week long, especially on the 23rd uh, and the 24th with this Venus opposition to Pluto, because the drama that you put out there will come back at you. It will not just go away. As the saying goes, if you don't like the game, don't play. You are entitled to tap out if you need to tap out. You are entitled to say to someone, this is an important conversation. I can't have it today. Let's schedule it for a week from now or whatever. I actually haven't checked the transits for next week, so don't quote me on the, the week part, but you get the general gist. What is likely to come up around this full moon is really intense relationship thoughts, feelings, and situations. And this is because of the tension between the, the sun and moon in the particular signs they're in and also because of this Venus-Pluto opposition. If at the end of the day, you find you are not behaving in a way that reflects your values, that you are not treating others in a way that reflects your values, if you are not treating yourself in a way that reflects your values, then you're going to have tension. You're going to have struggle. And if you are engaged actively in healing, TBH, you'll have tension and struggle too. There's really two kinds of pain, if I may say, in life. There's the kind of pain that helps us to expand. And then there's the pain that makes us shrink. Sometimes that healing pain that helps us expand is way more painful. It's way more difficult to bear than the stuff that helps us shrink. We're encouraged to shrink. So many of us are encouraged to be small and to be less. So I don't want to encourage you to evade and avoid pain at this time. I want to encourage you to check in with what the nature of the pain you're going through is about. Is it the pain of struggling to find self-acceptance? Is it the pain of struggling to be more present or to admit that something isn't working for you anymore? If it's bringing you closer to wholeness, it's worth it, you know? And if it is shrinking you or making you less than you are meant to be, I don't know that it is. That said, I mean, that's your call to make, but you may be tasked with making some sort of call. And I say this because full moons are often about endings. So as a gentle reminder, uh, full moons are closure and endings. New moons are opening and manifestation, very, very, very broadly speaking. So here's the thing, and this is a big one. We've got all this tension, right? This tension that is deeply emotional. And it's also really functional because we have Pluto and the moon both in Capricorn. So there's like a functionality, a behavioral component to the tensions we're experiencing. But I don't know if you remember, I may have mentioned it once or twice, but Saturn and Uranus are square to each other. So in this chart, of course, we have a Saturn-Uranus square. But fun fact, Mars is opposite Saturn and also square to Uranus. So this is not a super tight T-square. And a T-square refers to when two or more planets are opposite each other, and then all the opposing planets form a 90-degree angle, a.k.a. a square, to a third planet. So that is called the T-square and is a big concentration of energy. It's a tense and frustrating concentration of energy. 
Having a Saturn-Mars opposition form a T-square to Uranus is no small potato. This transit brings up frustrations. It's frustrations with impositions or limitations that you've taken on or you feel are being forced upon you. Uranus as the apex of this configuration absolutely is likely to incline us to act impulsively, to be really frustrated with injustices, real or perceived, and to feel restless but trapped. So if you listen to the Ghost of a Podcast a lot, you may remember that I generally describe hard transits between Mars and Saturn. It's kind of like being stuck in your car, right? And you got to go somewhere you really don't want to go, but you have to go. Like to pay a bill you don't want to pay, but you'll get in big trouble if you don't. You're stuck in your car in your driveway. Someone has blocked you in and there's nothing you can do about it. So now you're going to be late for something you didn't even want to go to. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you have to wait in your car because you're waiting for that fucking person to come and move their car so you can get the hell out, right? It's just frustrating. There's kind of nothing you can do. And when situations like this come up, aka when we go through transits like this, The reason why it happens, if we're looking for meaning in the struggle, is so that we can find ways of experiencing frustration in a way that doesn't create greater harm to ourselves or others. So what does that look like? You know, in the context of these fixed sign planets, it's not going to be easy because we are likely to want to do things one way. And if it can't be that one way, then we say, fuck it, I'm screwed or fuck it, you're my enemy. Or fuck it, I'm bad somehow, you know. And what we want to be able to do is be interested in our circumstances and be interested in our emotional and psychological and even our physiological responses. By cultivating that interest, we can start to see other options. I don't know, maybe you're stuck in your car and you decide to go on some fucking like video watching platform and learn how to say fuck you in French. It's fun. You should try it. You know, there's things that a person can do when they can't do anything. And this configuration of planets, even though they're all fixed sign, even though it is, a, it is a difficult configuration of planets, it's happening in the context of this full moon. And so there is this potential for catharsis and release of something that we are attached to that we may or may not realize that we are attached to. That might mean that relationships or circumstances kind of get in your way. And what I want to urge you to do, my beloved astrology nerds, is to remember that there's a bigger picture at play. And how you choose to respond to your own emotions, your own situation, your own feelings and needs is really much more defining to you than whatever is happening this week. Take care of yourself. Be a good parent to yourself. I took it there because we're dealing with all this cancer and Capricorn energy. We're dealing with Saturn and Uranus. We have the potential to really generously, kindly, firmly, and competently parent ourselves through some sort of meltdown. And that's hard work. So if you make a teeny tiny little itsy bit of progress, I want to give you a standing ovation. If you try and fail, still fucking excellent. I don't want to encourage you to look for evidence of progress because of this chart. You know, you may see something meteoric and huge, but you're more likely to see very little, very little objective progress on and around this date. 
But what you can do is move something meaningful inside of you or in a relationship or in a situation. And it will just take a minute for that to unfold. You are not an island or a rock. You exist in concert with others. Whatever it is that shifts or changes within you or doesn't, whatever it is that happens in your life or doesn't, meaningfully impacts others in some way or another. Maybe it will today, maybe it will in a year, but it will. Leave space and room for you to come to conclusions about what it all means, right? Just be in it to the best of your ability. That's the work right now. Whether you choose to be like a good daddy or a good mommy or some gender-free version of either or both or the two, the point is to care for yourself, to care for yourself emotionally and also materially, whatever that looks like. And it doesn't have to look any one way. Find your way to the best of your ability or find the path that may bring you to your way to the best of your ability. Now, my loves, that's it. It's a lot. It's kind of a big week. You know, it starts off with these lovely emo transits in particular from, you know, these planets in Cancer. So we love to see it. Mercury goes direct. We love to see it. But the intensity that's going to mount throughout the week is a lot. So I want to remind you, if you need help, ask for help. I want to remind you of one more thing, okay? When someone does something shitty to you, that's a reflection of them and not you. Do not take on other people's bad behavior as evidence of something being rotten inside of you. It's not. It's really not. I'm not saying there's nothing rotten inside of you. I don't know you. Maybe there is. I mean, there's generally something rotten, at least a little bit in all of us, right? But when other people are shitty, when other people around you personally or online or whatever act in fucked up or destructive ways, that is simply a reflection on them and you do not need to take it on. You do not need to engage with it. Give yourself the gift of that. I want to thank you once again for joining me for another week of Ghost of a Podcast 211 episodes in less than three years. It's pretty exciting. We here at Ghost of a Podcast Industries are pretty fucking thrilled about it. So thanks. Thanks for thanks for joining. Thanks for showing up. And I'm on a real kick on social media. If you don't already follow me on Instagram or on Patreon, uh, I'm on a real fucking kick. And the kick is making videos of myself as fruit. Did I start this off because it's pride and I'm gay as hell? Very, very fruity? Yes, I did. Is it going to last forever because nothing pleases me more than being a lemon or an apple or a banana? Yeah, I'm probably going to do this forever. But, you know, join me there for more astrology and spiritual content. If you're in the mix, if you're in the want, if you're in the now. That's it. Bye. Every year they say the end is near. But we're still here. Yeah, we're still here.